Welcome to the Dark Match Podcast. Here's your host, Matt Barger and Pat Carney. What a week in wrestling. It really was fantastic overall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything with Impact on Thursday. You got G1 on Saturday. Yeah, it's just crazy. Oh, it was a perfect week in wrestling. Just storylines from start to finish on both products. Yeah. On I- top of independent shows all across the globe. Yep. I mean, you got Impact that's getting better and better every week. Yeah. The just stories at, are getting better. Look at it was last year. This time last year. It was a laughing stock. It really was. They changed their name, what, three times? Changed their belts a couple times. Yeah. And now it's the talk all across social media. The storylines are getting better. Just this past episode, just everything that happened on this episode, there was not really one filler sequence. No, no. I mean, you had the story with Moose and Austin Aries. First match, you have Rich Swan versus Ray Phoenix. After the match, you have OVE come out, beat up Ray Phoenix in the ring, and then Rich Swan tries to help. They beat up Rich Swan, and then down comes Pentagon to save the day. All of a sudden, it wasn't he wasn't helping. No. He was beating up Ray Phoenix, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, wait a minute, what's he doing? This is backwards. What's going on? And then... Oh, it's Sammy Callahan. Oh, it was perfect. And then you had the sequence with Desi Hit Squad as well, where Gamma Singh just smacks the shit out of him. Yeah, because they seem to be getting a little... Too big for their britches. Too big for their britches. That's the word I was... The terminology I was looking yeah. for. But yeah, they're getting better every single week, but yeah. it's exciting to see where they're going from here. No, and they ended up having a match in two segments, so that was pretty yeah, crazy. a lot so. of stuff going on with them, too. And then, obviously, we have the incident at the end, too. Yeah, that was a big one where uh, Conan has his proof. The proof. He says he can prove that King was the one that put the hit out on him but didn't get the job done, and he's going to come and tell everybody what his proof is. And Well, he was right. King wasn't on it, but he wasn't alone. No. Who was it? You know who. So you got OG LAX, which is Hernandez and Homicide, versus New School LAX, which is Santana and Ortiz with Conan and King with OG. Yeah, and then you have, at the very end, you have King burying Conan with the LAX t-shirt. And that's how they go off the air. Yep. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Just gets better and better every single week. But it's really becoming like we even talked about earlier, where... Like the new wrestling nights or, or Wednesdays and Thursdays, you got the double header on Wednesdays with Lucha Underground and NXT, and then yep. you have Impact on Thursdays. Now we don't have to talk about what goes on on Monday and Tuesdays because, mm, yeah, it's the same shit we've been watching for weeks. Well, if you watch last week's episode, yeah, it was the same shit literally. Yeah, all over Kevin Owens. I mean, I still watch it, but I mean, there's I, I nothing do too, to talk but about. We need something to to bitch about. Yeah. So that's what our new podcast name should be, something to bitch about. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch G1 on Saturday? I did. I oh, did. It was fantastic. Yeah. All across the board. Obviously, we want to wish a speedy recovery to the current reigning and defending IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Broken neck is yeah. the early reports. So hopefully, speedy recovery there. Hopefully, it's not as bad as everyone's saying it is. So hopefully, it's just uh, a little tweak. Be back. I don't think I, a little tweak's a broken neck. And I it, Well, they said that he suffered a possible broken neck. Okay. So everything that I've read so far says that it hasn't been confirmed. Well, so, that's good. Let's hope it's not confirmed. Well, you saw, the, you saw that yeah, bump, I man. It I was know. terrible. <clears throat> I, I, I need to crack my neck really quick because it just uh, it just makes me crazy. Yeah. But then we had the feel-good moment. We had Juice Robinson. After all of 
the ups and downs that he's had, obviously breaking his hand as well, being told at the start of the match that if he uses the cast during the match, it was an automatic disqualification, which I really don't understand. The, here, here's my qualm. So you're not allowed to use your cast during the match, but you're allowed to use chairs? Where does that like logic work? <laughs> it's like, hey, you can't, use, you can't use the chair. I mean, you can't use the cast, but y- you know what? Chairs are fine. <laughs> and it was unfortunate part of that match was, unfortunately, another injury that happened that night. J- good old JR Jim Ross apparently broke a broke rib. Broke a rib. Yeah, well, they were throwing each other into those, uh, into the barricades pretty hard too. Yeah. Unfortunately, at that one point, just wrong place, wrong time. Threw him right in front of the announce table. It was kind of cool how Josh got up and kind of defended his honor. Went in there after Jay White. Like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, some inexplicit said, um, which made the moment even better. But at one point, I thought he was just going to jump in the ring, just fuck up Jay White. It was almost eminent that it was going to happen. Then he was walking back. He, he continues to talk shit. He's like, you see how that motherfucker ran away? It was great. So I don't know where it's going to build from there. But then you see the ref being distracted near the end of the match. What does that mean? Let's bust out that, that old cast. Knocks him down with it. Goes for the pin. Kicks out. You feel like the match is going to be over with a finish? No. Good old roll up. And he gets the win. New IWGP United States champion. So congratulations going out to Juice Robinson. Juice. Juice. First U.S. born IWGP U.S. champion as well. So it's huge. It's huge. Huge. But an even huger story was the main event, which I know we've talked about at length. I've probably watched it like 10 times. Just the storytelling from start to finish. Yeah. I, I think it's... It, it was the perfect love story. I, I hate using that term to describe it, but it really was. Like, you have, like, a, a broken home in a sense. You have Cody versus Kenny Omega. You have the Young Bucks in Kenny's corner. You have Brandy, obviously, in Cody's corner. And you just have them out there, and periodically throughout the match, they're just begging them to stop. Just, it's not worth it type of situation. And they're going for some big bumps, too. Yeah. Big old bumps. Uh, you had the spot off the top of the ladder where they're pleading for them to stop. It looks like they're going to go onto the outside through the table, and you just have Cody just do a powerplex off the top of the ladder into the ring. They move the ladder. The Young Bucks just get it out of the way, say no more. This is We're done. No more of this. And then you have Kenny Omega attempt to powerbomb Cody to the outside through that table. Yeah, but the table didn't break, though, That right? looked terrible. It looked terrible. Table didn't break. Yeah. Right. He just bounced off of it. Those are the worst. When the table doesn't break and they just bounce. Yeah. And that wasn't even the first table that he went through either. Yeah. That was. But he th- didn't go through that one. No, he didn't <laughs> go through that one at all. He yeah. technically did, but it didn't break. And yeah. luckily, the ground broke his fall. So it looked nasty. Well, yeah. but luckily, all else prevailed, not in the way that we would have expected, but there was a little bit of an incident, which I'm extremely excited for. Yeah. After the match, Kenny Omega celebrating on the on the ramp. Out comes the Tongans. The Tongas. Uh, so you have all of them out there. You think everything's good. They're celebrating. And too sweet in each other. Kenny turns around, looks at the camera. Next thing you know, Tom and Tonga just levels him. Next thing you know, all the Bull Club's out there. They're taking out everybody. 
And then who walks on the ramp? None other than Cody Rhodes. You think it's a setup. Gets into the ring. They hand him a chair, tell him to finish the job on Kenny Omega. What does he do? Turns the chair on them, hits him with one, then out of nowhere, a cutter, and he's done. They destroy him. They're out of the ring. They're walking up the ramp. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great segment. I thought, obviously, with it being the 22nd anniversary of the NWO debut, I feel like this is going to build up to, like, be like the next Wolf Pack. Yeah, like the Wolf Pack, like the fire, like Bullet Club Firing Squad yeah. versus the the regular Bullet Club or whatever you want to call them, like yeah. the Bullet Club Elite. Yeah, whatever you want to do. But I'm excited to kind of see where it's going to go from there because you know that there's going to be some members they're going to side with the Tongans that are going to go in that direction that feel kind of OG where they've probably had a little bit of this lover's spat that they've had. They're over it. They want to go where they feel like there are no leaders. And they, they premise that at the end, too. There are no leaders here. We're all equals. Like, we're no more of this lover bullshit. No, no, no more of this back-and-forth bullshit. It, it's time to get back. This is the Bullet Club camp. And that's how they ended it. Well, that's how Donga ended it. But in the ring, you had that, that moment with Cody and... Kenny hugging it out, the whole Bullet Club hugging it out, every single one of them on the ramp at the end too, finger in the air, unity. I don't feel that that's unity. I feel like there's more to come. It's going to be whose side are you on type of situation, and I'm excited to see where it goes from there. So the line most likely is going to be drawn, and then we just have to wait and see who's on which side of it. I, I think that that's the angle they're going with. I'm excited to see where it goes. But Me I, too. I'm also excited about our guests that we have today. I'm even more excited for that. I and mean, we really don't have to do any introduction because no. you're going to do that. I, I I did. I I don't think I could have did a better introduction. So let's just no. get right into it. We had a very fantastic guest, but I'll just uh, let myself do the introduction here. So we have the feminist icon, the weapon of SAS destruction, the most marketable corporate sponsored sports entertainer of our or any generation, the forbidden fruit Hailing from Telesassy, Florida, we have Effie on the line with us here today. How you doing? I'm in the zone. I love it. I'm excited to be here, guys. What an introduction. I left out the golden boy of grab ass. How could you? I, I that's like that's we a really need to like take that over. Name. It is. I wish I had that, but I have no ass. So okay. I wish I had that tagline, but we have Effie on the line right now. Yes. We kinda wanna just go back in time. I'm sure a lot of people, if they haven't followed you yet, you're truly missing out. You're missing out on a bunch of hilarious videos, which we're going to go over here soon. But we want to take it back and kind of learn who Effie is. Probably before you were Effie, you don't have to disclose your real name. But we want to get to know Effie personally, where it all started. So first and foremost, where exactly are you from? Originally, I grew up kind of all over the southeast, Atlanta, Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, Marine bases, South Carolina, and then I ended up in Florida. And I um, was doing a lot then, whether it be, you know, drinking or drugs or alcohol or whatever it was. And to take you back to the origins of Effie, I went to one of the NXT house shows down here when they were still running like the worst venues, like used to be a high school gym, but now it's just an abandoned building except for the gym part. And I was stoned off my ass watching this wrestling, just enjoying it. I was a wrestling fan, man. I loved wrestling. I watched it growing up and I'm out there enjoying myself. I get done with the show. My car won't start. Can't get my car started. 
this weird old man comes up to me. He's like, I can get your car started. And I was like, all right, dude. So he gets my car started really fast. And he goes, do you want my autograph? And I was like, anybody who tells you, do you want my autograph? Of course you do. So he pulls out an 8x10 picture. His name is White Trash Fred. He signs it, follow your dreams, and gives it to me. Months later down the line, I took a lot of LSD. I'd been on a dark path. Uh, and I ended up getting sober. And I had this like weird realization that, Everything was sort of a simulation, and I had to just kind of go out on an arrow and see if you could make weird dreams come true by just attempting them. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to be a wrestler now. So I tracked down White Trash Fred because I still had this weird signed 8x10 picture, and he lived like an hour and a half from me, and I just started driving out every Sunday, training with this dude in a field in the middle of Florida, outdoors, like Sometimes the ring was wet. Sometimes it was gross. It was way too hot. And we would just wrestle for like four or five hours every Sunday. And I did that for like eight months. And I sort of found myself in a conundrum where I was like, hold up. I didn't go to like a real wrestling school. And I feel like I've learned everything I can from this guy. So I just started bullshitting my way into getting booked. So here I was newly sober, used to be wild as shit in college, before college, had had built a bit of a reputation for myself as a, as a party animal. And now I was sober and wrestling and forcing my way into these weird bookings, just like the worst of South Georgia, weird Florida, Alabama, and just started kind of building myself into this monster. But I do have a question as far as, um, you said military base. Uh, do you come from a military family? No, sort of. Um, my dad ran a JC Penny, so it was kind of like the military. Um, <laughs> grew, up, grew up in retail, man. So, you know, he was always running these big mall stores. I'd be in the mall all the time. You get the sweet mall discount. But they moved him around a lot, so we'd be at a new JC Penny location wherever you are which that's the beauty of America now. Wherever you go, it doesn't matter. There's going to be a Chili's and a Ross and a TJ Maxx and a, and a mall with a bunch of shitty belt products. You know, everything's the same everywhere. And I was lucky and fortunate enough to be at the JCPenney on a military base in North Carolina with all the wonderful wild-ass Marines. That must have been yeah. a ride, especially in North Carolina around that area. So Yeah, and I was like 12, and all there is is liquor stores and strip clubs for the military people. So it's like just a weird world to be in where everybody's a military family, and you're just like, nah, he works at JCPenney's, man. It's cool. <laughs> He's like Sergeant JCPenney. Hey, you got to go get your polos, man. Yeah. Can't definitely. always be in fatigues. So when you were growing up moving around the South, did you find wrestling to be a constant in your life with the constant changes of atmosphere? For sure. I mean, my dad was a huge, like, Crockett Promotions NWA guy. Like, I didn't even really mess with anything else for the longest time. You know, it was like, Flair is God, you know, Dusty is Jesus, and Tully Blanchard shows up a lot of the time. Amen. So you're watching these old school style matches with people, and that's sort of what you're fed on. And like, at no point when you're growing up or you're a child, I mean, nobody's really thinking like, oh, this is fake. I mean, you're just like, oh shit, Ric Flair's the man. And you're fed that by your father, and he's not filling you in that he even thinks it's fake at all. And so, you know, it's a lot of tough guys there. It's not the WWF flashy characters, which is sort of where I ended up. But I mean, if you look at my work style, man, I'm the big queer Tully Blanchard. I'm out there hairy and ground and pound and throw your ass around. And I think watching that first and having that be my first introduction into wrestling really has set a foundation where I'm like, you know what? We can do all the flashy stuff. We can go all night with the flashy stuff. But I also am just going to beat your ass NWA style. I mean, I tell people, I was like, look, you can go ahead and realize, like, I'm queer Tully Blanchard in a 1986 NWA TV title match. That's what you're going to get from me. Let's party. You know, I'll do your Rana's and your flips and your whatever's. Let's 
let's get all that out of the way. Pick your spots. Let's have fun. But when it comes down to it, man, working the holds and working the mat and just like talking some shit, that's that's where the magic of wrestling happens for me personally. You know, from the promos that we've watched of you online, you do, to steal your term, remind us of a big gay Tully Blanchard in the ring. But on camera cutting promos, you were so unique. I was just wondering, are you improving those promos or are you writing them? It's, it's part of that. And like, definitely it's my own personality there. But like, also, I think what you'll notice is when you watch a lot of guys cut promos, you can tell they're like going off their little script of what they have to get in. Like, here's the information. I'm going to beat your ass. It's personal now. It's on this date and time for this promotion. You know, you better be there. For me, it's like, okay, I can tell that you're doing a wrestling promo. I want this shit to feel real. I want it to feel like, damn, I really hate this guy. Or like, damn, when they're in the ring, you know, I saw the video, I saw the shit he was talking. I can't tell what's real and what's not real anymore. Because everybody goes into wrestling shows and they're like, oh, we know it's fake. Like, do some cool spots. If I can get that little spark of you being like, I don't know if these two dudes really fucking hate each other or not. If I can get that tiny moment, like, I've succeeded. So I take everything extremely seriously, even in the ridiculousness of what I'm talking about, even in the ridiculousness of the scenarios, Effie is taking everything as a real fight, as a personal battle, and as something with, you know, there's a reason why I hate you and I will explain why. And it's not just because this is competition and we're going to hug at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel like there's some there's some real issues between these people and that's how that story is going to come out. And just with everyone that you include in those promos too, the, uh, the few that I saw where you had to bring your attorney present as well, I have to applaud you. I thought it was the funniest thing where you're kind of telling him what to say and all you hear is whisper, 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 whisper. Just those little itty bitty things in every single one of your promo videos and also with your YouTube channel and just these little itty bitty, I I like to call them like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You use it all the time and I always blank on it. Easter eggs. Oh yeah, Easter eggs. eggs. Just the Easter eggs that you have, whether it be the book Effie video with the one second little words that come across the screen. (laughs) Circle jerk? Circle jerk. Circle jerk. Uh, Oh, man. Circle jerk. But for me, I want to give people that option. Like, if on the surface you see me at a show that's the only time you've ever seen me, you just came to see wrestling, you're not an online fan, you're not following everything, you can just have me on the surface level. I can come out, I can be a heel or face or whatever, I can be rocking it out, I can have some catchphrases. You can have that. But for the people that want more, the people who are on Reddit, like looking into movie spoilers and theories, the people who are taking everything too far, the people who are like, um, all the babies are dead and Angelica was there. I want those tropes and those little Easter eggs, like you said, I want them to be able to look into that and go as deep as possible. Because, you know, not to spoil everything for you, if you go all the way deep on what Effie is, at the end of the day, I'm the devil. The devil is not scary. The devil is not black and gothic and, you know, everybody wants to have the fuck God shirts now and all that. No, 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 no. The devil is handsome and he's androgynous and he's wild and he's telling you to party and he's telling you it's okay to have sex with whatever you want. And he's telling you it's okay to be lavish and over the top. And he's telling you it's okay to party and do all this stuff. He's giving you the permission and he's giving you sort of this uh, version of everything that's extravagant and he's not giving you any of the negative of it he's just saying look look how much fun we're having over here you know we can worship the devil and have blood oaths and we can wear sparkly jackets and dress with women's fishnets on and we can do whatever we want i want people to be able to go all the way down that rabbit hole if they so choose some of the videos that i've seen and some of the matches that you've had as well with the likes of uh, leon scott being one of them and multitudes of other that we'll talk about later on down this down the line in this interview but i do want to take a couple steps back now 
once you got done training, uh, you were out in this field in the middle of Florida, and you're going about it about eight months down the line. What kind of steps did you take to kind of get your name out there and, and say, you know what, you need to have me on your show? You know, I kind of, like I said, I kind of bullshitted my way in. And at first, you know, I sort of knew getting into it. I hate to say I'm going like, oh, I'm going in with a five-year plan, but I knew part of this five-year plan of getting to a place where I was a recognizable name and I could work shows with people that I admired and work bigger venues and work bigger promotions, I've got to get some shit shows out of the way. And so anywhere that would book me during that first period, I jump on it. It might be $20. It might be setting up the ring. It might be doing this. So as you sneak your way in, the cream does sort of rise to the top. You know, you might not be perfect, but you know enough. Somebody at some show is going to see you to get you in somewhere else. So you take that booking for a while and then you go here for a while and then you go here for a while. And these little tiny, terrible, awful promotions in front of 20, 30 people, you've sort of just got to say, you know what? I'm taking a bet on myself here. I'm going to sneak in. This is where I'm booked this weekend. I'm glad I'm wrestling. And it sort of starts to fall into place where you go, okay, I'm wrestling in front of a hundred people tonight. I haven't done this yet. This is good. And when the right people see you and the right people see, okay, this dude's weird. This dude's different. You're going to get those next spots. So I just had to sneak in. And I wasn't from one of those schools where my trainer was going to take me in a car load to the show. I wasn't getting permission from someone else. People didn't really know where I was coming from and they just had to experience it. And it might've been with 15 other people and it might've been on a terrible show, but knowing that I didn't have that, that, uh, the credentials really that everybody else goes into wrestling with, it was a sneaky game I had to play to make sure I could at least get a foot in the door here because I figured to myself, look, I've, I've got trust in what I'm doing. If I can get my foot in the door here, I can prop that motherfucker wide open and get whatever I want, which is what I did. So it was kind of like a like a hot dog and a handshake type of situation? Yeah, for a little while, for sure. But then you also kind of start looking around and you go, okay, nine-tenths of this roster is really bad, and the other tenth is me. Do I need to be taking this booking anymore, or can I take this weekend off and I'll be okay? But without that booking, to start with, was I going to get to the next level? You've got to eat shit for a while. And it's hard to do, and it's not fun to do, but it helped me build whatever I wanted to be. And just getting ring time is really good because I, I wasn't going to a school to train, you know, I was done with the training. I was like, look, my training now is getting booked and learning from everybody else. And you fuck up and you make mistakes, but you figure yourself out really fast in those situations. Luckily you're failing in front of 30 people instead of 3000 people. You don't have anyone else to blame. You know, they're not going to your trainer going, you told me the kid was good. You know, you know what? I fucked up tonight. Nobody, it's not on anybody else. And no matter how good you are at your craft, whether you're a cook or you're an artist or a musician, everyone has off nights. We, we had this conversation a few weeks ago regarding professional wrestling as a whole. It's something that can't be perfected. It's something that's up to interpretation. If I was to ask you, Effie, what is the best wrestling match of all time? Is your answer going to be the same as mine? No. Yeah, no, no way. No, it's something that is up for interpretation. Everyone has their own expectations. They have their own takeaways from everything. So for a promotion to say, you know what? Like, no, you're you're just terrible. No, I was just terrible tonight. No offense. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. No, you know, you're fine. The big thing for me was I had to have everyone else's matches for a long time. And a lot of guys don't even realize they're doing that. So you go in and you work with someone and you're letting them call a lot of stuff and that's cool. And you're agreeing to a lot of stuff and that's cool. And it might not be in your wheelhouse and that's cool. But 
once you start going, you know what? No, bitch, I'm having an Effie match tonight and you're having an Effie match with me. And you start finding that confidence to say no to things or to say that's not a good idea or to say this is a better idea or I don't need 35 up and overs back and forth duck 90 clotheslines into a knee when I can just fuck you up with the knee and then I can dance around. Like having the confidence, you've got to have everybody else's match for a while before you go, no, bitch, we're having an Effie match. That's what we're having tonight. And if they want to say, no, we're having this match, then good. I'm glad you're giving me some pushback. Let's do it then. I think the chemistry will be better that way. But I don't like, at a certain point, you stop letting other people call things, you know, that you don't really want to do or you don't feel comfortable with in your character. And that's where you get real good because you've got enough confidence to say, no, I know what I'm doing is good. I'm not just going to fall into your line and, you know, do a hundred little kip up spots with you because that's not what I need to do. I know what I need to do. We're doing it my way. Did you build any relationships with anybody in those early years that you still have to this day from those early bookings? Probably. I mean, I would probably say a good many. And luckily some of those guys are still kind of on that rise with me. You know, I look at a guy who's in Florida right now, named Tony Storm, when we were starting out, you know, he thought he was better than me and he probably was better than me. And he's so cool. And he's so this and this and this, but we fought each other a lot. And now we're still booked on the same shows on a higher caliber. And we're not, you know, in front of 30 people in the backwoods of Georgia. We're, you know, in front of 300 people and it might be in Miami. You see these people kind of come up with you and you know each other like the back of your hand, but you're completely different people than when you started out. And that's kind of like insane to watch happen because you still feel like, yeah, I could do anything tonight with this dude and it would be great. But also it's a hundred times different than what it was when we did it two years ago. Pretty much read each other's minds at this point, probably. You, you know oh, the yeah. spots and everything. You, you know where they're going before they even get to that point. Yeah. Okay, we're setting up for this. But then you also just see people fucking fall off and you go, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Of course they fell off. They weren't fucking in it for the long haul. They wanted to have a match in front of their friends and get the accolades that that brings, I guess. And good for you. Now get the fuck out of the way, you know? So it's people who are coming up to me now that I haven't seen in two or three years. And they're going, oh, man, remember we had that great match? I'm like, yeah, we did. What happened to you? You got fat. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know? So, like, having those interactions, too, where you're like, hold up. You know, I used to look up to you in a locker room. And now I'm looking at you and going, man, I'm glad I surpassed that shit. Because on to the next one, baby. Yeah, you got that brass ring and you keep going for it where they're not so into it sometimes. Yeah, I don't see the walls anymore, man. You know, everybody's like, okay, this is the level and then there's the next little level and then you go to this level and I'm like, nah, bitch, I'm taking it all, you know, and I see that that's a possibility. You know, there's there's room right now for mainstream people in wrestling that don't need to even go to WWE that are doing their own thing. And I think in the next couple of years, and I hope it's something that I'm spearheading, we're going to see, you know, public attention from people who weren't wrestling fans two years ago who are finally getting into it because they have a reason to. Because like you said earlier with the circle jerk line, it's not a joke, man. Wrestling is a circle jerk. It's the same fans and the same wrestlers and the same card a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times. How are we how are we keeping people from actually wanting to come and engage with live pro wrestling? Well, it's by fucking making it difficult to just get right into because everything's a fucking inside joke. Everything is already, you know, you have to know everything before you get there. No, man, we can make it fun and we can make it exciting and we can actually bring new eyes to a product rather than continuing to play to the dude who's been in the front row for three years yelling at everybody who knows everything about everyone, who knows every feud that everyone's ever had and who fucking cares. Well, and one of the things that I feel that 
strongly about an independent that you obviously don't get in WWE right now is you have a lot more creative control or a, a, any creative control, which a lot of those guys don't unless your name's The Miz. And which yeah. I don't, I mean, I think he has creative control. I hope he does because there's if no way they're right. Yeah, there's no way they're writing some of that stuff for him. I just don't feel they can be. But you never know. It's so cookie cutter in the WWE now where it's corporate. Yeah. Yeah, and you're, yeah, you need- which I mean, a lot of guys want that though, and they're lining up at the door and going, "God, Triple H, give me an NXT contract. I'll do whatever you say." And that's never gotten anybody over ever. Why do you think so many guys get to the main roster and just fucking flop? It's because they go into NXT. NXT gives them a dumb idea because it's the same dumbasses from the 80s and 90s writing these programs. They don't have the creative freedom they did, and some people need that. Some people need those boundaries because they can do the moves, they can follow directions. But when you have people, I'll, I'll use myself as an example because obviously it's what we're talking about. When you have someone who says, I have this crazy idea and everybody says it won't work. And I go, no, nah, this is going to work. You can't have people who just bow down and you go, all right, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm just happy to be here. That's not how anybody's going to make money. These guys are going in and they're like, oh, I'm living the dream now. I got the dream contract. No, bitch. They brought you in to make them more money. If you approach it that way and you go, hey. My ideas are great. What's gotten me in here is great. Listen up to me and we can make more money for both of us. Nobody's doing that. They're going, I got the dream contract. It's my dream. It came true. Shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck that you're going to go in there and bow down to whatever they want you to do. Michael P.S. Hayes hasn't probably written anything good in 12 years. And yet he's still writing fucking mainstream mainstream TV show that these dudes are just bowing into. Nobody speaks up. They just want the contract. They just want the guaranteed money. And then what happens? They're back out on the indie circuit taking my fucking spots because they couldn't make it. It's a bullshit fucking circle, and I'm done with it, and I will not bow down to the corporate pressure. Now, I say I'm corporate sponsored, and I mean that because I bust my fucking ass all week working for a fucking corporation, and I will admit that publicly. I make a lot of goddamn money. I am corporate sponsored, and I invest that shit in myself. I invest it in my merchandise. I pay camera crews. I pay for banners for my fucking merch table. I pay to drive all over the goddamn place. And guys are like, oh, I'm a full-time wrestler. I was like, well, how much did you make over the weekend? I made $100. Well, shut up. Nobody cares about $100. I made so much money this week that I can do whatever I want. And I'm still going to make more money than you wrestling. So I'm just stacking it. People can't keep up with a schedule like that. The WWE schedule right now, you throw me into the main roster schedule, it'd be a fucking vacation to what I do. I got home last night from Atlanta. 3.30 a.m., my neck feels like shit, sold some shirts, made some money, spent my day out there. I woke up at 6.30. I went to work at 7. Now I went to the gym. Now I'm at home eating and recording a podcast. They cannot touch me when it comes to being busy. I wouldn't give give up into them to lose my creative control. Did I tell you I was going to ramble? I get in my feelings on this shit, man. No, keep going. No, I it, feel some type of way about wrestling. Man, no, I love it. I the love way your passion. We feel. This is no, the way I we love feel. your passion. Absolutely. And it's all about that bottom dollar. And you question like, oh, well, why was this guy so big on the indies? He comes to WWE and he sucks. Why? Because you adapted to that. I'm going to listen to what you say. Exactly, because they're just happy to see the chat. You put the shackle on when you get there, dude, and you're handcuffed, and you got no control to do anything. We can go down the line with every, almost every recent call up. Authors of pain. Ty Dillinger. Oh Uh, God. And and the real problem is now, honestly, the draw is not any of those guys. Nobody's showing up to the arena like I bought fucking front row seats to see the authors of pain because they don't build a star anymore. The WWE is the star, right? That's it. That's what draws people in. 
It's not like the attitude. They might era. like the Usos, but but it's not like they're showing up and saying like, "We gotta fucking see Stone Cold, man. We gotta see DX, dude. We gotta go see Hogan." That's not it anymore. It's no. so fucking watered down, and who cares? And then I see guys. You know, I'm an out LGBT performer, right? You could put an article out that says, "Oh, Effie's gay." Yeah, bitch. Duh. Look at my ass. Of course I am. Look at my six three beautiful chocolate boyfriend. Of course I am. Who gives a fuck? And I watch these dudes who are like trying to be careful and trying to be cautious and they say well you know they're gonna look for an lgbt star eventually they're gonna want an lgbt star to be positive finn balor's for everyone whatever they're taking money from the saudi government and linda mcmahon is sitting in trump's cabinet y'all can suck my dick to here to infinity if you believe for one goddamn second they're gonna prance a real homosexual out there to do anything they are not they kept darren young for what three months and now what's he doing shitting on the indies taking my spot mm. these guys are blinded by the fact that like you know this is a conservative corporation if you want real positive representation you do it on your own stop looking for their answer stop looking for them to give you the opportunity and steal that shit from somewhere else mm -hmm. somebody will have the balls to do it somebody will have the balls to get on national television doing it and either that company will bow or another company will rise up but to sit here and go you know oh yeah they'll they'll definitely do something right with the lgbt community Oh, what, because they let Sonya Deville wear a fucking rainbow on her titties? Who gives a fuck? And that's let exactly what I was going to say. You literally read Patrick's mind. Go. Yeah, you read my mind. It, it was Get funny. out of my head. It was hilarious. Get you out of my head. That, and his face just went from smile to frown. Like, you stole my <laughs> line. It's uh, real I, shit, man. You took my Probably booking. A crab cake. Do you feel there's a renaissance when it pertains to the LGBT community and the acceptance of indie wrestling? The resurgence right now is super real, super real. And the WWE is so large right now and so global and so corporate that it's created this whole new place where there are these big independent companies, not Ring of Honor, not even Impact. I'm talking about like you've got your freelance, you've got your PWGs, you had Russell Circus for a while and, you know, promotions come and go. PWX and Charlotte can pull 1200 if they fucking want to. Fest Wrestling's blowing up. I'm leading the goddamn charge. The Northeast is huge right now. The real problem is Everybody's so up their own ass that they won't team up and work together. We're doing a PWX versus Fest show. People are pumped as fuck on PWX versus Fest because they're both established independent brands and they're working together to make a better show for everyone. And I see more more places doing it. Freelance in Chicago is running a show where they're bringing in all sorts of promotions. You know, the Toronto and Montreal scene in Canada, they're exchanging talent all the time. But the other promotions have to kind of look at this and go, yo, we got to work together and make something bigger because there's more money in working together than there is saying like, well, you know, if you work for our promotion, you can't go work over here. No way, man. That's crazy. If we all work together and create this territory and say, you know what? Hey, this guy's really killing it in the Pacific Northwest. What can we do to get him around here? How can we do a talent trade? How can we help each other out? Let's get everybody on a national level because we all have the power to do it. Instead of just going, well, you know, Emma used to be in the WWE. We better book her. No way. Get the chick out of the Northwest. Get the chick out of California. Get somebody out of the Northeast and, and trade it that way. There's got to be a bigger communication line. And especially, so the LGBT thing is crazy because there's so many out guys right now that I know personally. And a lot of people might not have them on their radar yet. I look at last night. I worked at Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. It was my first time there. Ashton Starr is great. We worked together at that LGBT show for the first time in Rhode Island, which is funny because we're both like near Georgia and we're working for the first time in Rhode Island. Fantastic. We had a good time. But last night we're in front of the Atlanta fans. Right. And the way this match is set up, Ashton's been a bougie ass bitch. 
right this whole time. They hate him right now. They think he's a piece of shit. Not because he's gay, just because he's being a piece of shit. And then my big gay ass comes out, fishnets and all. And so I know what they're thinking. And the whole art of wrestling to me starts with the assumption. They see fishnet boy. They see him with his dreads. They see us both being fabulous. And they're going, oh, they're going to have a little gay match, right? Hell no. We beat the shit out of each other last night. They were throwing dollars in the ring. We tore the place down. I don't even, I wouldn't have wanted to be Eddie Kingston and follow that shit in the main event. Honest to God. That is awesome. When, uh, you, when you give people the perception of, okay, we're going to have some gay wrestlers out here now, they have a particular thought of what is going to happen. And I think now that we look at it and we're seeing these guys come up who can really work, who can really tell a story, when you get to the end of the match, like you said, man, they're not thinking, wow, these good gay wrestlers were good. They're thinking, yo, these dudes can fucking go. And we're getting to that point where it's not going to matter that you're gay. I said it in an interview with somebody. I said, look, the whole point of Effie being over the top, pissing certain people off with how flamboyant I am, it's me eating myself. I'm literally trying to destroy what I am. I want it to not matter that I'm in the fishnets. I want it to not matter that I'm flamboyant or over the top, and I will get to that point. But until I'm there, I'm going to keep pushing all the fucking buttons until the buttons are not left to be pushed. No, and you're definitely making your way around, too. I think you made a great point. Unfortunately, we're not corporate sponsored like you are, but we need to go for our ad revenue right now. So you can make out this check. <laughs> You can make out this check to the Dark Match Podcast, Care of Cash, but you've made your way around. I mean, you've been in Livewire. You've been in Viral Pro. You've been in National Wrestling Alliance, Florida Wrestling Alliance, National Wrestling Alliance, Sunbelt Wrestling Entertainment, All-Star Wrestling Network, Premier Wrestling Experience, Atomic Wrestling Entertainment, and as you mentioned, Fastu, you are the current reigning and defending and fabulous world champion. Truth. So, so once again, all those promotions, once again, Dark Match Podcast, Care of Cash, you can send it our way. <laughs> you can even put in the memo line, Effie, and we'll know exactly what it's for. Yes. So, but and you look, a lot your... of those promotions, too, look at the way they're set up. They're fucking southern-ass promotions. So that they're taking a risk point. bringing my ass in. And they've just got to hear it from other people. You know, you can send as professional an email as you want, but unless somebody else is going, yo, no, you got to book this dude, it's not going to happen. So... There's got to be a level of trust, and I've got these dudes bringing me in who are like, all right, here we go. We got you a gay gimmick. Get out there and be gay, and then they see what I can do. Like I've said before, I say, hey, you can book me the first time, and you can book me in your third match, your first match. I don't care. I was like, but by the third time you book me, I'm going to go take your main event spot, so tell your boy to get ready, and it happens. Are you familiar with Sonny Exolicious? I love Sonny. He just debuted on Lucha Underground last Wednesday. Yeah, and he should be raising Dude, those rates up too, baby. Beat the shit out of Jack Evans. Did the splits off the top rope right onto his freaking trach. It was amazing. It was great. It was amazing. And what a The ass. thing about Sonny is he's so, so talented. And um, mm. Anthony Henry, who's in Evolve right now, I was talking to him. He was like, hey, man, I had a match with Sonny the other day. We were talking. I was like, do you want to do any like kind of funny spots, whatever? And he was like, no, bitch, we're wrestling tonight. Like, we're having a damn match. And they did, and they beat the shit out of each other. And Sonny's another guy who plays off that assumption where you see him, and he comes out, and you're like, this dude's got a big old ass. This dude's athletic as fuck. This dude's dancing around being silly. Got great highlighter and makeup on. And he can kick some ass. And yeah. I even saw people on Twitter. We were talking about it. All us gays were getting shady on Twitter talking about somebody was, I don't even know who said it first, but they were like, oh, well, Exolicious is a copy of Velveteen Dream. Nope. Nope. Not Bitch, at all. let's be clear. Let's be real clear. Because I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again. And it sounds like I'm being jealous, but I'm not. 
there's a reason that motherfucker unblocked me three weeks before he debuted on NXT. He can keep profiting off of gay culture as long as he wants, but two years down the line, the mystery is not going to sell tickets anymore. You can either be who you are, bitch, or walk away, and the mounds of charisma are there, but you got to make a decision, big boy. Are you going to hang, or are you going to admit that you're just making money off of gay baiting? Come at me. Is that who you were premising in that tweet? Uh, what was that tweet? Let's be sure, because I, I talk a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of shade. <laughs> I, I, it was a it was a quote around the uh, along those lines where you can't hide behind the fact that you're stealing from our culture. Either put up or shut up or something along those lines. I, I would have to scroll back through and, and find out exactly where it was, but that it might have been like I think someone commented on it and said that it might be Velveteen Dream. No, so. I mean, but it, it sets me up, man, because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it'll work for six months to a year. But, like, really, I feel bad for him at the two-year mark when he's on the main roster and he's still trying to dance around crazy. And you know what he's going to be doing? Probably jobbing about Dallas. Exactly. So get with it. Getting buried and then put on a main event and stuff. I, this is how I talk in the locker room. This is how I feel about stuff. I care a lot about wrestling. I care a lot about the presentation of wrestling. And I don't want it to be treated as, you know, crap, you know? I mean, you have two guys here that predominantly grew up on WWE, WWF, and the Attitude Era and escalated from there, my co-host being a, a child of the 80s. And yeah, I'm old, so I watched WCW too, but I only got I to watch too. it at my dad's house because that's the only place we had cable, so I had to watch weekend stuff. I used to get grounded. Ooh. Next thing you know, they just couldn't really stop me anymore. I had my own TV, and... And one day I just turned on WWF at the time and my buddy's like, well, what the hell are you doing? You need to watch WCW. And <laughs> so I turned on WCW. I'm like, uh, okay. And then my one friend introduced me to this wonderful company that was on a very sketchy channel that was very blurry. ECW. ECW. Mm. Mm. Love mm. it. Yeah. That, that's how we got our start. And we're we're very passionate about it ourselves. Like we, that's why we have a podcast. Yep, we're we're very passionate about it. We we understand that our opinions are only can only go so far. I mean, I used to trade trade tapes with people because that's the era that I came from. Where if you wanted to watch some matches, you had to trade tapes with people to get them. Like I'll give you WrestleMania yeah, if you fifteen. There's no other way to see Japanese wrestling. Exactly. You get the weird tapes, man. Yep. Yeah. I remember watching, like, I'd go to this video store, and we would get, like, uh, Ultimate Fighter, where it would be, like, they'd fight no weight classes, and it'd be, like, a tournament for two days, and they would, like, you'd have Dan Well, that was Sever. the original UFC. Exactly. Like, those old. Like, Royce Gracie, Royce Ken Gracie, Shamrock. Dan like when he, Severn. Oh, yeah. What about Dan, bum fights? Is that okay? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, see, I'm older than bum fights. Like, I remember I bum when bum fights. fights came out, but I was already like 18 or 19 or 20 by the time bum fights what were was, really big. God, what was his name? The bum so, fights guy? Yeah, no. He, and he went on to like UFC and then. Kimbo to, Slice? That's it. Come Thank on, you. dude. I know. He's dead now, I'm sorry. Too. CTE. He died. Hashtag CTE. Hey, don't steal my gimmick. Okay. It's not a gimmick, it's reality. Let's it, trademark it, and then we'll <laughs> fucking talk. Trademark that shit, and then we'll talk. Okay. Until then, I'm stealing everything I possibly can. All right. Until I'm court ordered to stop. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. That is your I'll, gimmick. I'm sorry. I'll I flatten your tires stay. when we leave. It's fine. They're already flat. So okay. I'll, I'll find a wrestler from. Shouldn't like, piss your wife off. <laughs> just saying. Just need to bring that shit. I up, mean, don't she's you? 38 weeks pregnant, dude. Shouldn't piss your wife off. I know. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Right. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of pregnant. 
Yeah, that's a lot of pregnant. That's number four too. By the way, my you fiance, name that baby Braun Strowman. My fiance was giving mad props to how cute your wife looks at thirty-eight weeks pregnant. She was like, "Check out this picture of Patrick's wife. Look how cute she is." And yeah, she's I kept her drunk until she so said, jealous. "I do." That's she's how I'm swimsuit. lucky. I'm like two hundred and sixty-five pounds. My wife is like hundred and fourteen, soaking wet. And Whoa! Oh yeah, no, I kept her drunk until she said, "I do." <laughs> So, you <laughs> <laughs> can't back out of the contract now. Exactly. Right? And then she got pregnant. Designed for the match. It's like, then she got pregnant. And then it's like, oh, well, divorce is expensive. <laughs> My dad said, find a hobby. And I apparently didn't go with wrestling. So, Matt, you're a huge sports fan, right? Huge. Huge, huge. You're constantly listening to sports talk radio, going online, checking the latest rumors, just getting up-to-date information on the world of sports and entertainment, correct? Always. That's the only way that I can keep up with what's going on. Yeah, you're talking with your friends. They're talking about a story you don't know anything about, and you're left in the dark, and you sound like an idiot trying to keep up, just making up stories. But is there anything worse than trying to get your sports and entertainment coverage, and more than half of the pages you're clicking on are just ads? They're sending you to spam sites. You try to click the ad and accidentally hit another ad, you wind up in the bane of the internet just going from troll to troll, site to site with no end in sight. That stops now with That'sMy216.com. No spam ads, no clickbait, just the content that you're looking for and you love. That'sMy216.com has the latest on the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Cavaliers, Cleveland Indians, and yes, the latest in the world of sports and entertainment and pro wrestling all across the world. You're not going to be upset. I mean, you're going to leave saying that's how the internet should be in the sports world. They're changing the game on how we talk about the game. That's my216.com. Once again, that's my216.com, the exclusive sponsor of the Dark Match Podcast. Uh, I do want to roll back just one second where we were talking about where getting these promotions to work together. I feel that Anthem is doing a good job of that, where they've got the guys from Pro Wrestling Noah. They're getting the guys up in Canada. They're doing Lucha Libre or AAA. They've got guys from Lucha Underground. I feel like if other people and other promotions would go off of the way that they're doing it and use mm-hmm. that, I, I do you feel that their program is getting better each week? I feel like yeah, but look at look better. at what they're doing too, man. They're like sneaking their cameras into PCW on the West Coast. They're sneaking their exactly. cameras into Rockstar. Exactly, and it's awesome because not only is it like okay, we've got our contracted talent here, but like also here's some young dude who's been training his ass off in yep. Ohio, who's also going to blow your mind. He's not going to be on every week, but you can check him out this week. And you're giving these dudes who like have been busting their ass for it that little bit of exposure to where yeah, dude, some guy in Missouri might see him and want to book him. Some guy in Georgia might see him and want to book him too, and you're opening their eyes to these people that they wouldn't have even known existed. Because most of these promoters, you know, they're too busy promoting their own shows. They're not actively seeking out talent. There's enough talent coming into them all the time. Emails, emails, emails. A hundred talents, please book me. But if they get the opportunity to have it thrown in front of their face on a national, you know, spotlight, it's a lot easier for people to get that exposure. And they're taking that risk because they said, look, whatever we were doing, whatever was happening at TNA beforehand. Clearly, it was not working. Hogan wasn't working. Bischoff wasn't working. Whatever happened after wasn't working. You hit a point where you go, well, fuck it. Let's see what we can do. There's no rules now. You know, we can't fail any further. And that puts you on a platform to try some weird shit. And it works, man. It does. I love what they're doing, too. Yeah, Don Callis, even with his work with New Japan, too, it's just, it's bar none above any product that they've had in recent memory. And like you and I discussed, too, yeah, just going around to those different promotions. You're just giving those opportunities to 
those individuals that are in that area, oh, I, you know what? I saw this on Impact. I saw this here. You're just a, kind of exposing yourself even more. You're just getting more essentially away from, you know what? I was going to say I hate to use this term, but I think it's our new term on the show. You're getting away from that circle jerk, and you're actually including mm-hmm. more people and bringing more people into this circle jerk. Yep. Well, so, and we're going to keep. And that I look tech. at the necessity of like your developmental promotions when you had your OVWs, when you had your Deep Souths, when you had all these. You're teaching guys how to work to a specific camera and television style. You have to work very specifically: two commercials, two cameras, two angles to make it all work. And instead of trying to teach these guys to work to television. They're saying, hey, we can work our television around you. Yeah, we still got a hard cam. We're following you around. But there's promotions and there's television trying things now. Instead of making the worker conform to what they need them to do, they're giving them, they're saying, hey, go out and do whatever you do best because people obviously love it. We'll figure out the best way to film it. Instead of having them sitting there and thinking about how to do a move and also how to have it viewed best and setting that up and repositioning and let me pull him two inches this way. You're just making sure you say, look, we got you covered, dude. You do what you need to do out there. We're going to make sure it's covered to the best of our ability. And it makes wrestling look different. It doesn't all look the same. And it gives guys more freedom when they're out there. And I say guys, but I mean everybody. The the women wrestlers are outshining everybody right now. No, there's definitely a revolution going on there, too. Now, going back to your exposure comment, uh, there's many different professional wrestlers and independent wrestlers that are kind of going that extra mile, I would feel like we were doing you a disservice if we didn't talk about the way that you're truly exposing yourself, whether it be on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, with your channels, and also these promo videos that you've been making as well. Now, for those individuals that haven't seen it, it, I would highly recommend it. Immediately after I found it, I subscribed to it. it. It was that good. So you have this new series that just came out called Effie and the Agent, You just had a new episode drop today. This episode is being recorded on July 2nd. So this is probably going to drop a little bit later than that. But you have episode 5 that just came out today. Uh, You have a multitude of different videos in its entirety. I mean, you could spend an entire day at work like I did today getting paid watching Effie videos. Oh, dude, it's a deep rabbit hole of, like, stuff I've put together. And one of the things is, like, I'm not just recording on a cell phone. I'm, like, bringing in a real film crew with sound and editing and effects and whatever else. But, like, with the Effie and the Agent thing, especially since that's so new right now, it's, it's very Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's very, like, real dry. But I wanted people to sort of see the side of me that's the real side of me. To me, peeling back as much kayfabe as possible, peeling back what's real and what's not as possible, and still making it a part of the character is very cool to me. So on the outside, when I walk through the curtain, what people see is, okay, Effie just came through the curtain. There's cool music playing. He's got a sparkly jacket. He's being sassy. He's having fun. He's kicking ass. But the real me is overthinking everything whether it be my merchandise, whether it be how I'm perceived, whether it be the bookings that I'm taking. And if I can make fun of myself in that way and kind of let people in on the secret of like, yo, it doesn't come that easy. We're overthinking it. People are disagreeing with me all around me. Um, Getting to something happening is not, it doesn't just happen. There's too much thought that goes into it. And I wanted to kind of make fun of myself while also still being Effie and show them the behind the scenes and keep it in a, like a sort of new kayfabe of, of what's happening that they don't even know about. So I know you're pretty big in the social media platform. You've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, Facebook, that you've got a huge following on all three of those. 
But I did notice that you've got a huge Twitter battle going on with Izzy right now. And I just kind of wanted to get your position on the whole situation. And I'm not sure if our listeners know who Izzy is, but Izzy is the little girl that pretty much wants to be Bailey, I guess would be the best way to describe her. How would you describe her? I mean, what she is is a fan, and, and she's a child, unfortunately. And a guy like myself, every weekend I'm out wrestling. I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling. I'm, I'm having matches with people. And it's funny that there's all these grown men out here that follow Izzy and buy Izzy T-shirts, and it's, it creeps me out a little bit. And that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is going back a good ways. You know, she actually kicked me in the head, and I can't physically hit a child unless they sign consent forms. So when when she kept talking about it on Twitter, when her little fans kept talking about it on Twitter, I said, you know what? You've started your training. You've got your mentorship with Bully Ray, Big Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, you're working with Santana Garrett. Let's see what you've really got. If you want to talk about me, if you want to put boots to the head of Effie, then step into the ring. I, I'm challenging her and she accepted the challenge to sign the consent forms to get in the ring and have a match with me and just to give her something i said you know what i've got the team hammerfist internet championship i'll put it on the line so she's decided that's great i've been sitting here dealing with days and days and pages and pages of grown men talking to me about how this little girl is going to beat my ass and realistically we're looking at about a 30 second match i'm not going to hurt the poor girl I'm just going to make sure she gets pinned and get it over with. Somebody's got to teach her some kind of uh, a lesson about stepping in the ring with a real wrestler. Sitting on the sideline and crying about Bailey is one thing. Getting in the ring and actually having a physical confrontation with a wrestler is another. Yeah. So I just want all the little kids with all their dreams to see, you know what, you can follow your dreams. But realistically, when you get in the ring with a grown man, when you threaten and challenge a grown man, He's going to put you down. And a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even be involved with this. This is a stunt. You know, don't put yourself on this. You're going to ruin your reputation. I don't give a shit. So put her in the ring with me. I'm going to have a match with Izzy on August 26th. Nice. And it's not a Kenny Omega match. It's not, oh, we've looked so, we've worked so hard and trained together match. Oh, we're so proud of how far she's come. No, we need to sit her ass down because she's a little too big for the boots. She's gotten a little pass sitting in the front row and crying at every daily match. Let's take her back down a notch. You can be a fan. You can be excited. But these grown men being being Izzy fans and representing Izzy mania and wearing her shirts have given her a fucking ego boost that is unnecessary. So book it. Effie versus Izzy. We're doing it. I don't care. When did she have an opportunity to kick you in the head? We were doing a punk pro wrestling show back in February, I want to say. And there was a seven-person scramble match that I was in. And she was supposed to be doing commentary. I guess they booked her to do commentary to get a little extra attention on the show. Izzy fans showed up, which is very weird to say. But you know what? The ticket money goes back into my pocket. And she snuck in the ring in the middle of the match and kicked me in the side of the head. And as you know, children don't understand you know, when to pull a kick. It was a real kick. Fortunately, it was from an 11-year-old, so it didn't make too big of a deal. But don't stick your, your head in the business of adults. Yeah. You know, you were asked to be there. You should be excited to have a little opportunity. Let's talk on the mic. But stay the hell out of the ring unless you really want to see the ring. Yeah. So her parents have said she can sign off on it. She can have a match. Come on in, baby. Let's have a match. 
oh my god i want to be there because i i she oh, came up happening. on she came up on my suggested people and i was like are you serious <laughs> that oh. not happening What's not better, just, just search her name on twitter and look at all the creepy old dudes who are like talking about her that's like that's the scary. real problem i have children grown men buying izzy shirts yeah i have children that that bothers me in multiple different ways like that's just not right i i, I mean i'm a 36 year old man and i'm not following a child on twitter because I just, I no, God no. It just doesn't seem but hopefully right. Hopefully, after me. this is said and done, you know, she'll sit down and go. Maybe I need to wait a few years before I really try to get involved with this. Yeah, and do it the right way. I'll set it up. What do you mean? You'll fight the kid. I'll set it up. You are booked. <laughs> I got a chance. I got a shot at booked. <laughs> but did you see any of the talk and shoot? There's some talk and shoot. I love talk and shoot. Talk and okay, shoot good. was perfect. Because what I was getting from people was like, yo, you're so hilarious in the locker room. Just like shit talking what's terrible about wrestling. Just make it public. And I like, I, I really hesitated because I was like, I don't want to shit talk everybody I know. Like, what if it messes with my bookings? But I was able to do it, I think, in a way where like nobody felt specifically targeted, even yes. though they were, <laughs> and was able to get some things off my chest that was like, hey, this is problematic what you're doing to our industry, and I need you to stop right now. And I was, I was able to make it a little bit funny. And it's kind of it goes back to that point where uh, Stella Gray, our, our guest last week, even made the point where it you kind of do these videos, but there's only a couple people that actually know exactly who you're talking about. So it's kind of like a joke for the boys in the back that exactly. are, are going through the same exact thing. Like they feel the same way. But here's Effie who has the balls to go on YouTube, make a post for everyone to see, and pretty much call them out without actually saying their name. Like whether exactly, they, but they know who they are. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, we we've been called out too, where someone's trying to be inconspicuous and they're not. No. So we. No. So why even try? Let's just yeah. let's be conspicuous. Just call it out. Just just since, but since those people have started hating, I've been using Effie's training regiment, and I feel like I could kick <laughs> at least three people's asses this week alone, <laughs> just from his dude. Your training regiment has got me ripped. I'm not gonna lie. Is, is that where I did a blood oath and had a BDSM party? Oh, yes. Yes. God forbid. Yeah, just a Listen, day in the I'm life I'm not going to lie to you guys. This is, this is real life, and this is going to sound like kayfabe. In May of 2016, I made a blood oath with the demon Citri, who is the, the sixth-level demon of lust. Um, I had it. Get, stop eating my crab cakes, Cranberry. <laughs> I had, I had, uh, you have to I introduce. had it tattooed into my skin, and apparently if you come in with an open mind, to this demon and you have this blood oath with this demon a lot of times you know you're giving him your vessel to take over in situations and he's supposed to be able to make people feel lust for each other he's supposed to be able to control these uh these wild sexual emotions and i'll tell you what my life has gotten real good since then so i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna say it's all the demon but um finn ballerine got nothing on my demon because my demon is bound to my skin and you can see it every time i wrestle on the back of my right leg yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to mess with you in the ring whatsoever. <laughs> like you come out like just one match in particular, Leon Scott. Like bring your own weapons match. Oh you, yeah. You come out with a beer bong around your neck. You're on a Hannah Montana scooter. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're literally. Uh, I thought one of the funniest spots and, and props and kudos to you uh, being becoming sober as well. Um, I know that you kind of premised that previously. You had a, you kind of, I know we've said this quite a bit on our interview, but you kind of fell down quite the rabbit hole to say the very least. And, and now you found yourself to be being sober and you found the sober lifestyle. But there was that part in the match where 
it was like you just kind of stopped the match. You just turned it off. You're both beating the living shit out of each other. You're standing right next to the bar, and you just kind of look at Leon Scott, and you're just like, give us a minute. You look at the bartender. You order a drink, and you just look at Leon Scott. You're like, you want one? You order a beer. You cheers him. And then you literally just look at him like, I don't drink, you asshole. And you just bash this Pabst Blue Ribbon over his head and just go right back to kicking the shit out of him. It's like, oh, yeah, we're at a wrestling match. It's like, okay, time out. Let's get a beer. No, I don't drink. Boom, right back into the wrestling match. And it's just a full out. Blood I mean, brawl. Oh, my God. It was so awesome. <laughs> I give you mad props, Yeah, dude, that too, was one Effie. of the most fun matches I've ever had. But I look at moments like that, and I see dudes who wrestle a lot, and they do the same thing every night and the same thing every night. And I'm always looking at a match and going, like, how is this match going to stand out from every other match I've ever had or every other match on this show? How can we do something that's never been done before, do something different? And I'm like always holding myself to that of like, you know, I did stand up comedy for a little while back when I was still drinking and I got so frustrated because I would see dudes do the same routine for the same people over and over. And they're like, well, we're just perfecting our routine. And I was like, no, bitch, step out. I would do a different bit every time I'd go up there, a different routine every time I go up there. And I look at wrestling in that same way of like, hey, what can we do that's never been done? What can we try that's never been done? Um, people go. People say, what's your finisher? And I'm like, good Lord, y'all, I don't have a finisher. It's whatever we think of that night. I don't want people to have any idea of what's going to happen when I get out there in the ring. Unexpected party, man. <coughs> yeah, because when you got to do it, you know, every night in front of every people, you know, okay, Kansas, North Dakota, they all get the same show. Man, it, it's boring after a while. And I think guys lose their inspiration on that. You're talking about, well, guys aren't motivated to grab the brass ring. No, man, because they've just had the same match, you know, Two months in a row, they've been working the same 10 minutes with Elias for two months. Do you feel that it's hard in the wrestling industry being a sober person Does because there's so many people that do party in the, indus- in the industry? Well, I mean, for me personally, like, I know I had my crazy side, which is like do drugs, get fucked up, take pills, have a party. And then I had my reserve side. And once I got sober, those sides just like meshed. So now I'm just sort of crazy all the time. And I think that helps me in wrestling because I'm just like, I'm, I'm out there and I'm wild and I'm not holding anything back. And you're around people who party and like, they're usually surprised I'm sober because you meet me and you're like, oh, that dude's wild as fuck. And then I'm like, no, nah, I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not doing anything. And it sort of He's catches people off guard. Dude, I yeah, heard like, some. Oh, he must be. I heard somebody. On, I was doing a wedding on a yacht yesterday, and I heard the one guy when I walked by. He goes, "That guy's high." And what's funny is, you I were. wasn't. No, I was <laughs> no. not. It's just the way I am now. You have like a Jim Brewer face, though. Dude, it's not even that. It's just I think I fried my brain so much. <laughs> That's not true. I don't know about that. You, I just think it's your face. Like you do know. have that kind of face where and it's I'm like. And I'm very uh, energetic. Like I am. I'm hyper, dude. I can't help but be hyper. It's just the way that that my, guy's on drugs. Yeah, he's like that guy's high. And I wanted to walk back by like seven years sober, bitch. And but I didn't. I held it in. I would have. Effie. No. Yeah, would've. let him think what they want to think. That's yeah. Beautiful. Effie would have exactly. Did it. You know Let's leave think it a mystery. Me. Yeah, seven years sober, bitch. Yep. It's like. Uh, by the way, do you want to buy weed? Going off of uh, one of your other, some of your other unique matches that you've had, can you tell me a little bit of the backstory of White Mike and hashtag, whip, hashtag Whipped Cream Gate? Oh my God, my favorite. <laughs> so here, this is the real story. And I told this to somebody last night, so it's fresh in my brain. So basically, we got booked on this softcore cup in the middle of fucking shit Alabama. And it's me and some dude versus White Mike and Mr. Sleaze. Last second, some dude 
gets his colon removed, so he's not going to be there. So they're like, well, your your tag partner is now a sex doll. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay, this will be great. So we show up. The show starts two hours late. So Mike is already in full fuck it mode. And he's like, whatever, let's go do this thing. I brought a bunch of sex props because I don't care. and Or I care too much. I don't know. I've got sex candles and mouth gag dildos and regular dildos and whips and ball gags. And obviously I brought some whipped cream. And I think Mike wasn't even, like, thinking about any implication. He was like, if I pour that whipped cream on your ass and eat it, you don't care? I was like, I totally don't care. There's 30 people here, 40 people here. We're in Alabama. Nobody cares. So we get to the point in the match. Sleaze wheelbarrows me, pulls my trunks down. Mike pours in the whipped cream and eats it. Nobody thinks anything of it. I tweeted the pictures. I thought it was funny, whatever, stupid. And, like, a week later... I open Facebook and of course every like shitty indie wrestling group on Facebook has this picture with thousands of shares of like these two have ruined wrestling. And so I hit Mike up and I was like, Mike, I was like, there's fucking money here, dude. The amount of people that were talking about it, you know, they're not, they're shitting on it obviously, but they're still talking about it. And so Mike started making t-shirts and Mike and Timmy Lou Retner and Jim Nasty Boys and they started selling whipped cream shots and they were doing all this. And I was like, yo, let's really make this an angle. So I put out this like really heartfelt, emotional, real ass video that was like, Mikey ruined my life. Like my boyfriend won't talk to me. I can't get booked because I'm the ass boy. Um, You're making money off this. Like, this is bullshit. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to end your life. And we brought it up to PWX. They were like, yo, we'll book this match. And this is right when the Me Too stuff was happening. So really, I felt like with Mike being a huge baby face, I was like, I'll come in as a heel. I get in the middle of that ring. This is the first time I've worked there. And I just start my promo with hashtag Me Too. And people are like, what the fuck is happening? And I say it again, hashtag Me Too. I was sexually assaulted by white Mike. Like, what is happening? So the underplay of this story the whole time, you know, I like giving people that depth. The underplay of this story is that secretly me and why Mike hooked up afterwards and he doesn't want anybody to find out. And I really wanted people to feel that there was some emotion between us beyond just I'm mad at you because you're making money off this whipped cream spot that's embarrassing to me. And we had this match <laughs> where we're screaming at each other and we're ripping at each other's face and i'm saying how's it feel to be on the bottom and horrible weird stuff that's just like this family from the audience but we're like trying to keep it pg but like clearly the story here is very explicit it gave us both a lot of opportunities and people are still shit talking us on twitter on that like i ignore it at this point but mike will not mike just keeps going on about it they worked a czw show the other night and the dude who like reviews czw shows was like shitting all over them so mike's on twitter right now just like how dare you, you know, I got seven coochies off this more than you've ever seen coochies. And he's so wild about it. But like, we got booked off of it. We made money off that thing. They're still making money off that thing. And every damn wrestling uh, group on Facebook has shared the hell out of that stupid ass picture in front of 40 people in bumfuck Alabama, where he ate some whipped cream out of my ass. That no one would have saw 10 years ago. No way. No chance. But I was like, look, let's really let's let's put some emotion into it. Let's make it a thing. It's hot. So you've had hashtag whipped cream gate. You've also had hashtag dildo fight. But when <laughs> are you going to come up to the northeastern Ohio or even just the the north 
East area of the United States where you can kind of grace us up here, come into the studio. We'll take you out for some good tacos. We'll have a good time. Here's where I'm at. The money's got to be right. And I'm not saying you have to like pay, 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 pay me. But the amount of guys right now that are getting booked at these promotions just to say they got booked. They're not over. They weren't over at their home promotions. They're not over when they travel 12 hours and they're making no money zero money oh we'll give you 80 for the car load there's five of you in there girl that ain't even covering the gas these promotions you know know that they can get these young guys in here and they just want to do it so they can say well i've worked in six states i've worked in seven states and they're and they're literally going out and losing money just to say they were booked like just go on a vacation like at least that way you're getting something out of losing money um I want it to make sense for promotions to bring me in. I worked in Rhode Island. I'm about to come up back to Long Island. Um, I'm about to come to Chicago, which will be great. But it, it only makes sense if you can actually make it work. And a lot of these guys are willing to say yes to it without it working at all, which not to sound like the old grizzled vet, but you're just taking money out of everybody else's pockets by dropping the price too low. I mean, I've seen promotions do, you know, they have, oh, we're having our tryout show. We have people coming from eight different states to the tryout show. It's unpaid. Here's who they are. And now you got a public list of people who work for free. It's very sad that people take pride in the fact that, oh, well, I was booked here. Oh, well, did they pay you for your service? Um, no, they did not. Um, I made enough to pay for part of the gas on the way back, and then I lost 80 more dollars just to say I was booked. It's a very sad situation, and guys have to realize that they're just getting used. Because when the promoter's charging 20 at the door and there's 300 people in there and he only gave you $40 for your ass to drive eight hours, you're the dumbass. Somebody else is making money. Definitely. And they're watering it down for everybody else as far as financially. You know, when you're well, willing to work for a hot dog and a handshake, I mean, that's great when you're first getting into the industry and you're just trying to get your foot in the door. For sure. But when you've got years of experience and you're still just letting people shit all over you. That's ridiculous. But also, when you well, have 15 people that are working for $30, $40 a piece, take that $15 right there and let's just, let's just call it 20 bucks. That's, that's travel for somebody like, for example, for Effie. Yeah. That, that's someone like our, one of our previous guests, Kobe Durst, whether, well, whoever it may be. And we can go down the line, but there really is an oversaturation in some promotions. And I think promoters are a little scared to cut their cards down some. Personally, if I go to a wrestling show, if I can see five or six 20-minute matches... I loved your video, by the way. So I loved that me. video. I've been preaching that for months. This is how I really feel about stuff, though. If I you agree. cut those matches down, give the guys time instead of, let's have four, four eight-person scramble matches, who gives a shit? Nobody. And now the whole card is watered down. And then you look at the audience during that, you got a 12-match 12, 12 card. No one wants to be there for the main event or even the semi-main at that point. So know that like a movie is two hours to two and a half hours. If your show's going three or four, wrong. People are not going to want to come back. Hey, that was fun, but God, did we really have to be out there all night? And it's the same thing with, you know, the guys say they want to be booked. Oh, I have to be booked. I was booked here. Um, you know, I see certain promotions that used to have a name in 2006, IWA Mid-South. And I see guys going out there for 25, 30 bucks just to say they worked there because CM Punk worked there one time. Yo, it's dead. It's like there's like 30 people in the audience and half of them are like 55-year-old veteran retirees 
it's not boosting you, man. It's not helping your career, and you're not making any money. Why the fuck did you just drive seven hours to go there? Well, I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday last week. I worked five gigs, and you lost money on all of them because you're dumb as fuck. But, like, when I go to a show, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, selective about my dates in a weird way, but when I go to a show and, like, four or five people come up to me and they're like, we only came because we heard you were announced. Yeah, it might be four or five people this time, but now I'm hearing directly from people's mouths, like, I'm the reason they came to this show. That means I am a draw of some sort. I want you to pay me the money and bring me in, but I want you to make money off of me coming in as well. If I'm going to come in and make money, I want you to make money off of that. People just have no idea the concept of the business of wrestling. And we can both be positive entities to each other with you as a promoter and me as a worker and not have to just lose it. You know, is booking the so-and-so car package to come in with five people for $200 or whatever it is actually bringing more people in the door? Or are we just sitting here and once again circle jerking just to say we got booked? When you announce someone, if the ticket sales don't go up a little bit, if there's not a little bit of an increase in ticket sales, then you probably shouldn't have announced them because nobody gives a fuck. And I have to sort of create, like, not to CM Punk the thing, but you have to create a cult of personality where people are saying, we want to go see this in person. We have to go see this guy in person and experience it because what I've tasted that's edited in NVIDIA and what's coming out in these promotional materials is so wild. You know, I just have no idea what's going to happen when I'm there in front of him in person within 10 feet of this person. And I want to create that feel of celebrity. I want to create that iconoclastic sort of like, you know, yeah, I know he's a person. I know he's in front of me, but there's none of that mystery in wrestling anymore. There's none of that um, true character where people can sort of go. Um, I don't really know what all is going on here. I feel like I understand a lot of it. I feel like I see what he's doing, but like I also need to come see it in person. And at shows, I'm super fun and I'm friendly and I'm nice and I talk to everybody. But you've got to be there in person to experience that beyond just what I'm giving you in the ring. A hundred percent. Now you're you have quite a quite a following all across the board, whether it be in the Florida circuits, but you're very well known, not only uh, across YouTube and on Instagram and on Twitter for all these different hashtags, but you're very heavily involved in LGBT wrestling as well. And you have quite a few events coming up. And I definitely want to talk about those, especially with a matter of pride coming up on August 12th. But uh, have you kind of seen and experienced a, I know we kind of touched on it previously, but have you kind of seen more of a following in the LGBT community when it pertains to professional wrestling? On the platform of WWE, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. You have someone that has come out and said, I am I am a lesbian. I have a girlfriend. But, hey, you can't say it on TV. Don't say it on TV. Exactly. Why? Or D- Darren Why? Young, the character, is is straight, even though the, the uh, actor who performs as Darren Young is gay. What exactly. a crazy fucking sentence to have to say, mm. you know, to to dance and jumble around your own bullshit political corporate beliefs. Um, what I have seen, and this is going to make me sound like a weird Jesus character, but when my big ass gets in the ring, I'm 6'1", I'm 220, working a lot in Georgia, Alabama, Florida – I've had faggot thrown at me a lot, you know, and excuse my language. I feel like I'm okay to say it. I try to take that word back. I've had queer thrown at me, gay boy, whatever. I would much rather that be thrown at me in the ring at someone who would legitimately take you outside and beat the shit out of you and have kids or 
people who are lesser represented see, okay, if he can handle this heat and fight back that shit and be witty about it and be mean back to them and cut these people down for the hateful shit that they say, um, maybe I can do it too. And maybe I don't have to just crawl into my little hole. And I've had people come up to me and it is inspiring when they come up and they're like, yo, we didn't feel safe coming to this wrestling show in this town, in bumfuck Georgia in Alabama and wherever until we saw you were on the card and we knew it would be okay for us to come here. Because even if there is this hateful shit, even if there are these backwards people, um, you know, we knew you'd be there and it's okay to be there. And one of the conversations I've had with the boy diva, Rick Cataldo, who has been wrestling for a long time, wrestles in full drag is we have to stop being this soft bullshit of, you know, Oh, let's celebrate all the, all the gay people. Let's celebrate it. Oh, he came out. Let's celebrate it together. What we have to do now is sort of fight back and sort of be this pink panther alliance of hey yeah we're we're lgbt wrestlers and we're not putting up with any of your shit and the fans are not putting up with any of your shit and we're going to call you out on it and if you fuck with us we're going to fuck right back and it sounds aggressive and it sounds mean and that's because it is because we're tired of playing everybody else's safe little game and we're going out there and saying you know what we're better wrestlers than you are uh we're better personalities than you are and we don't have time for the shit anymore so the LGBT like fan base has grown so heavily too. And there's more gay people at shows and there's more people who are fine being themselves at shows. And I want people to come and be able to say, Hey, I can go to this wrestling show, even though historically it's been hateful. Historically it's been racist. Historically it's been homophobic. It's not that anymore. And it's ours now. And if you want to bring that shit in here, that hateful shit, you're now the minority and we will fuck you up. Fest Wrestling, the beginning of every show, Tony, who also runs the Fest Music Festival, comes out and he says, we will not tolerate homophobia. We will not tolerate racism. We will not tolerate hate speech. Everyone here is a family. We're going to have crazy ass matches. If you have a problem with that, we will deal with you. And I think that's how all wrestling needs to be right now. Because truth be told, gay people have a lot more money than a lot of the straight people do because we don't, you know, we're making money out here. We're, our parents didn't believe in us for a long time, so we um, we really hold ourselves to a high standard. And I want those gay fans in the building because they're the ones who are going to probably buy more shirts and love on me and follow me and have better social media understanding than a lot of the random uh, old-ass rednecks that are going to be at the shows anyway. You have to, at a certain point, start kind of rolling your eyes at these people and going like, well, they just don't understand. But once we all started really talking and once I had these real conversations with a lot of the other wrestlers and sports entertainers or whatever you want to call us, we sort of went, no way. We're not putting up with this bullshit anymore. Like, we're stronger than them. We're better than them. If you bring that shit near us, it's not going to be, oh, just ignore them. They're stupid and hateful. They don't know any better. It's going to be, I'm about to fuck you up. And if you fuck with my fans, I'm really going to fuck you up. You can fuck with me all you want, but... The second you come after my people, the second you come after people who are coming into a safe space, it's not going to be, hey, sir, you should leave. You're leaving with a fucking bloody lip, and I will follow you all the way back to your car. And I want that aggression, and I want people to go, maybe we shouldn't go to that show, because I don't want those people there. I want people who are positive, who are uplifting, who want to see wrestling, and who are done with all the extra bullshit uh, that people think they can do at these shows just because that's the way it's been done before. I want them to feel like they're going to be attacked. We're turning the fucking tables on that hateful shit. There, there's no point in it at all. I mean, you're coming there to have a good time. Wrestling is yeah. up for interpretation. But that's, ne that's never going to get through to that sort of no. hatefulness. It's nope. never. So you just have to go, you know what? And people are like, well, don't fight violence with violence. And I was like, yeah, but Fuck don't that. bring that shit in my house either. 
Fuck that. You know? I mean, I'll get right up in your face. Yeah, you talk shit about me. I mean, you're going to insult one of my friends, one of my fans that are paying money for me, and you're going to make them feel uncomfortable that they don't want to come back here? No. I'm going to bust your fucking lip and make sure you don't come back. Because, I mean, to me, it's like we should all be looking at each other in there and being like, how cool is it that we all understand how cool wrestling is? Yeah. I don't give a shit where you came from or who you are. Like, how cool is this that we're all experiencing this live thing together? And we all understand it, and we know it's cool, and people are going to laugh at us for liking wrestling until they show up to the show and like it even more than we do. Um, that's what we should be celebrating, and instead you've got those people still coming in, and I deal with it so much in the South. And you just get to a point where you go, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not being soft anymore, I'm not walking away, I'm not keeping it to myself, I'm just going to start ruining people. No, and cheers to you for that, too. And it's one of the events that you can go to, and we've one of the best representations is you go to a football game, you go to a baseball game. One person's wearing one jersey, one person's wearing the other jersey. You get so heated in that moment that you almost want to fight that person because you have so much passion. Yet right. at a wrestling show, you can have the same amount of passion, if not more, but yet at the end of the match, you're still going to high-five that person. And right because you both got entertained and if you've never been to one of effie's shows i mean you're gonna see everything from like we've discussed hashtag dildo fight hashtag whip cream gate you're gonna see sledding downstairs in a wrestling match <laughs> you're yeah and the list goes on and beer on bottles broken over guys heads beer bottles yeah, broken over guys heads He's going to go into the back. He's going to get a stop sign that says, you can't stop, Effie. I, the, I mean, the, you're going to see everything possible. But one place you're not going to see it is on YouTube. So let's buy a ticket and let's go see him. But while you're watching, trying to find those matches on YouTube, subscribe to his channel because it's actually quite funny. And then you'll want to go to his matches more. Uh, you got one earlier today. You got the uh, you got the first official subscribe from the Dark Match. I am other honored. Pe- hey, have you heard about Patreon? Has anybody told you about Patreon? Yeah. You, have you set up an account on that yet? No. I would recommend I? it. Dude, 150% for, what you for do, yourself. Yeah, 100%. It's, because then you get patrons, and patrons give you money. To just do I was what just going to set doing. up an OnlyFans and start putting my dick pics out there. Well, I mean, you could do that, too, on Patreon. And you could <laughs> you actually could set that it. up as, like, where they only get your dick pics if they pay 10 bucks a month instead of the 5 <laughs> that gets you the regular stuff. Like, 10 gets you a dick pic a week. Seriously. And then Hell 20 yeah. gets you a dick pic a week and then a shirt, too, with your dick on it, if you want to put what it. I started telling people, I was like, look, guys, my gimmick right now is this, but... There's going to be a good two-month period after my nudes leak where I'm just the nudes leaked guy. <laughs> so just get ready for it. I was like, they're out there. I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for the branding opportunity. If they drop, they drop. Let's see what happens. Definitely, Effie, mm-hmm. check into Patreon, especially with what you're doing with the video and everything. Yeah. You should definitely check into Patreon, and it's free. They just take the money out of what you're making. You don't have to pay anything up front, which is the best oh, thing damn. about it. You're never paying anything. It's coming out of money you never saw. And then Matt wants two fifty per yeah, yeah. I just per dick want, pic. Yeah, I just want at least a dollar a dick pic that you make. All right, since I since I gave <laughs> since you, the, you brought in the idea, since I, I gave you the tip, you, pun intended. Since I gave you the tip, <laughs> pun pun is intended there. Totally. 
just the tip, though. Like I said, this interview is just going to go all over the place. But we're supplying you with with options and with wonderful money making opportunities. Oh yeah, he, he's he's going to go on TMZ, and we're just going to be sitting there like, shit, we should have had a contract. <laughs> he's going to be like the biggest. It. It's like, look at this dick. Just it's don't just... forget about the Dark Match podcast when you're when you're blown up. All right. Look, I'll make sure you guys are the ones to leak it. It'll it'll get you all Hell the exposure. Yes. Fuck well, yeah. really, it'll give me all the exposure because I'll be exposed. <laughs> exposure alert. Hashtag exposure <laughs> alert. He, he dropped hey. that. Oh, no. He said that on a uh, previous interview. He's like, we should start hashtag exposure alert. And it literally was out of nowhere. And I just looked at him. I'm like, I need a little bit more clarification on that. He's like, oh, well, when we have a guest on and we're exposing them to people, it could be hashtag exposure alert. I'm like, yeah, I think that could be extremely yeah. <laughs> misinterpreted. Like yeah. It's like now with, with with Effie, it's like, okay, this is exposure. Not it's like good. we could just drop it and be like, yeah, I woke up to a fun text from Effie. I was just asking him if he wanted to come back on the show and, and talk up this. And in just response, I got this. Of his dick. <laughs> That's all I got. It's like, so is exposure that Exposure alert. Exposure <laughs> alert. Is that a yes? <laughs> it's like, look, this is going to go viral unless Kinda you come looks on like the show. like a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Dark Match Podcast with PCO style, style, la, 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 my way or the highway. You should be booking Effie at your show. He's better than everyone you know. He's gonna teach the children about progressive liberalism. And he's going to beat the ass of your favorite competitor. Yeah, you got a matter of pride coming up on August 12th, don't you? Dude, yeah. I got so much coming up, man. You're busy. Got, you don't stop. I don't stop, dude. I took too many dates this month. I looked at my calendar. I was like, oh, God, I've done it. Um, I'm defending my fest belt on February 20th. I mean, what month is it? July? On July 21st against Saeed Al-Sabah, who just signed with Evolve. Good for him. Good for Evolve. Maybe they'll draw. He's a um, fantastic talent too. He's so good, man. But he's, he's so like, good. he's I like I don't know what's kayfabe with him or not. Like we were talking about flat earthing. He was like, I don't believe in it, but I don't want to. I don't want to uh, stop anybody from talking about it because we should never take knowledge out of the world and questioning of what's around us. And I was like, I don't know what's real with you anymore, man. <laughs> so that'll be a fun match. The next day we're doing PWX versus Fest in Charlotte. It is standing room only. It is going to be wild as hell. The week after that is a bit of a surprise. I think I'm back in Atlanta that Sunday. I know I'm in Jacksonville that Saturday. I don't know. I'm all over Florida. Um, Matter of Pride's coming up. We're in Long Island this time. That'll be August 12th. Um, I'm having a no ring death match. Casanova Valentine's coming down to Florida. So I'm putting my Fest belt on the line in a no ring death match in Orlando. That'll be sometime in August. Nice. Weird stuff happening, man. I don't know. Check it out. You know, I'm on Twitter, Kill Effie, because everybody's trying to. Same on Instagram, Kill Effie, because everybody's trying my to. Lines. Oh, oh, were you gonna were you gonna feed me into suggesting my social media? Yeah, I was gonna take I was gonna take full advantage of that. I was gonna be like, oh, well, I'm gonna drop Damn. it right now. I'm sorry. No, so it's you good, man. It from I me. Just it's like yours anyway. It, it's yours you anyway. Know. I don't need to take credit for it. Listen, I think I'm the most fun on Twitter, the second most fun on Instagram, and I'm a little more family-friendly on Facebook because I don't know who's watching on there, man. You don't even follow me on Twitter, though. You follow Do me I on not? Inf- no, not, not, on, not on Twitter. How but weird I'm, am I? 
on on Instagram you do, but not on Twitter. I'll tell Jerome Champagne to get the follow button activated. Do it. Yeah, me too. Don't me too. We were talking before we started the recording and we were talking about a previous guest of ours that you had a good story about from WrestleMania 30. Yes. Yes. So at WrestleMania 30, me and my friends were wandering around Bourbon Street. This was the first one in New Orleans. And we saw a giant dude with blonde hair. And I was like, that dude looks wild. But he was walking around real confused. Who was it but Madman Fulton himself? Big Sawyer Fulton out of NXT. I didn't know it at the time. And I was like, hey, dude, you look lost. Come eat lunch with us. So we went upstairs in this New Orleans restaurant. And he starts looking around. And he goes, uh, I bet I can make that dude jump off a building. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I bet I can convince that drunk ass dude to jump off that building. And when you're in New Orleans, there's a lot of like upstairs bars and stuff. And he just starts yelling at this guy, jump off the building. I bet you won't jump off that building. Jump off that building. And the dude jumped off the fucking balcony of this building. And he was laughing his ass off. And I knew in that moment that that madman thing was real because that dude is nuts. Yeah, and he's a really cool guy, though, is he not, though? A I mean, great dude, fun yeah. dude, easy to be around, Yeah, but also will convince people to jump off a building if, if yep. he needs to. He can be a gentle giant or a madman. It just depends on what he wants to be. You got you to get on the right side of history with him, man. Yep. I fucking hate him. <laughs> I <laughs> don't understand him. why. Oh, you don't know why? Should we go back Could to the Could it be the, the chess prince? Oh yeah, I'm gonna the send butterfly you, tattoo. We're gonna send you a picture of it after the show. All right. I'm gonna text it to you right now. It. Right now, yeah, actually, no, hold I'll on. Text do it. To you. Do it right on. now. So you have quite a few dates coming up. Plenty of opportunities for those individuals that want to come out and see you get affified or um, get their affication, as it would. Yeah. Affication. Affication of your promotion is the best way. Affify your promotion. So if you want to get affified, you can visit him on those dates. You can follow him on Twitter at Kill Effie on Instagram at Kill. Effie, you want to get the PG version of Effie, follow him on Facebook. But before we go, we do have one question that we always ask every single guest. We want, and it can be whatever you want it to be. It's probably going to take you a minute to think it up, but Matt has a question for you. It's the way that we close out almost every single one of our interviews. So Matt, take it away. Tell us your best rib story. Oh my God. Okay. The best rib story. Hold up. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm having trouble. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. So as far as ribs, I feel like I'm ribbing people a lot. Um, really, recently, I had somebody who was supposed to ride with me to a show, and he bailed at the last second. And so we got to the show, and I was like, let's really fuck with him and make him regret not coming up. He was like, bro, I'm not going to pay for the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, you'll get a spot. You'll be able to work. They'll pay you. It'll be cool. So we got there, and we were like, Eddie Kingston was there, and he says he's been hearing about you, and he really just wanted to work with you. And they were willing to pay you a lot of money to do it. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, man, they're really disappointed you didn't come because I sent him your highlight video and they've been watching all your stuff. And, you know, I told him you'd be with me and now you're not here. And Eddie doesn't even have an opponent. He's probably just going to leave. And he still doesn't know that's a rib. So he's only going to know if he uh, actually listens to this podcast. That is awesome. Because he thinks that's a real story. That is awesome. So jokes oh on God. you. Never don't ride with Effie because one, then you're missing out on all of those hours of fun rides with Effie. And of course. two, being on the same card as Effie. And if you don't ride with me, I'm going to mentally fuck with you to extreme levels. Yep. It would have been better if you got there and you just simply told them, like, 
Okay, well, you know what? He didn't have enough money left. So can you actually just sit out here? You can keep the meter going, but I'll be back after my match uh, and then just walk right into the place. Like, thanks for the ride, bitch. I don't want to pay for parking. Hang tight. It's like, you know what? Like, an Uber was really expensive, and my car is kind of on the fritz. So thanks for the ride. Thanks thanks for hooking it up. Yeah, by the way, you're not booked. And like Eddie, You can take a sticker if you want. I'll give you a free sticker. (laughs) Here's a pin. It's like, here, tell you what. I'll follow you on Twitter. That's what I would do. I wouldn't dare. Do you have an account like Facebook, Twitter, anything for Cranberry? I don't, man, and I probably should because she's so sweet, but I usually just like, really, my Instagram story, 90% of the time, is just pictures of Cranberry. I can attest to that. Yeah, I'm not daughter. on Instagram, so I... He's uh, not. Yeah. yeah he's, I'll I, post more on Twitter than she needs to be out there for the world. She's yeah. my angel. Yeah, but I I do have one favor from you before we All let right, you go. So you already said we can't have Cranberry, so... For our promo videos, can we use Alejandro? Oh, my God. Alejandro is the best. Yes, you can have Alejandro. He needs to learn how to hold a camera, though. No, but it, that's that's part of the fun of it. He can't. He can barely keep me contained. You don't even know what we're talking about. I haven't even shown you that video yet. It's one of his promo videos. Alejandro comes over. He puts his makeup on him. It's and, too real. Like, think of... Like the other Effie videos that yeah. I've showed you. Yeah. So Alejandro comes over. He puts makeup on him. He he starts talking. He's like, just out of nowhere, he's like, Alejandro, fix the fucking camera. <laughs> <laughs> and then as it progresses on, you just see this camera start tipping like this. And he just like cuts off his promo. He's like, Alejandro, camera, camera. Ooh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's- I told you I overthink everything, including the oh. camera falling, because I needed to get this video out as fast as I could. Oh so my I didn't God. have my real crew with me. Like that's why I think I connected with them so much because I like overthink everything. I over like I probably like spend like six or seven hours Dude, editing. He is everything. insane. I mean, he listens to the same sentence like five times. Five. Or oh, six I times. love it. Yeah. Because I know on the inside of my heart, nobody will ever care about my art as much as I do. So I'm going to care a whole fucking lot about it. No, it, Same way. it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just... We're the biggest critics. Taking, yeah. You, well, you're supposed to be your biggest critic. It's just you beat yourself up in the end, too, a little bit, though. And it causes yourself a lot more stress. It doesn't cause me stress. It just makes me lose sleep. And well, I that, just, too, which is stressful. It's not stressful. I just sleep at work. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not watching Effie videys when I'm not watching Effie videos or a guy better start making some more Dude. let's get them rolling or watching Boy Meets World on on Hulu for the 400th time oh god Mr. Feeney likes wrestling he does Mr. Feeney likes the Young Bucks he, he he's a huge Young Bucks fan and he stood up to Vader so he's a badass Hell that's yeah. true jumped right into the ring against Vader I yeah. mean come he on he didn't tolerate no bullies yeah, you were scarier when you had acne. It's like really your eye was just out of your its socket like yeah, a week sitting, ago in Japan. Sitting on your cheek. Yeah, while fuck you continue that. the match. Fuck that. <laughs> Feeney was the shit. <laughs> well, Effie, we appreciate your time once thank again. Thank you very much. Thank you Yo, so much. Thank I, you guys so much. So I feel like if we didn't cut him off, that interview probably would have went on for a good four and a half, five hours. Yeah, that would have been like our longest episode. I mean, it is anyway, but I think we could have done like double this. You're right. Probably two, two and a half I, I could have continued talking with him. I think oh, we yeah. were the ones that we kind of had to cut yeah, it out. He sounded like he wanted to go towards the end of that. Well, he said that he wanted to, like, it, it was during his wonderful explanation of exposure alert. Yeah. And he said, speaking of exposure yeah. alert, I'm going to go jump in the shower. Yeah, which kind of seemed so, to me like... Right, it was like, it's time to go. go. We, we've talked long enough, but... Yeah. 
Effie, definitely a fan of the show. He followed us on Twitter too. Nice. So he Gotta he kept it. his uh his side of the deal. He said he would follow us. He would jump on uh, Champagne and tell him, hey, get on that. And I saw it come in this morning. It's like Effie follows you. I'm like, ah, uh, I, I just want to change the tagline on our on our Twitter page and be like. Wrestling podcast, Effie follows us. <laughs> what more do we have to say? Like and subscribe. So yeah. that's going to do it for this week's episode. Once again, be sure to follow us on Twitter. If you don't already, we can be found at DarkMatchPC. We're on Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram at the dark match podcast we're on facebook as well at the dark match podcast be sure to subscribe to this video like drop us a rating once again like we do always we had a fantastic winner as well so we're going to get some new merch out to this individual so congratulations going out to our first winner of exclusive dark match merch going out to sb superhuman so it's sb dot superhuman he won our contest last week sent us some pictures showing that he was subscribed to not only our youtube channels but also google play and also itunes as well so merch going out to him so you sent us a picture showing that you subscribed to this to us on itunes on youtube on google play show us the subscribe take a screenshot send it to us in a dm slide up into our dms we'll send you some free merch but that's going to do it an exciting episode coming next week as well i think that's all i have to say about that yeah we'll see you guys next week later boom boom